Welcome, everybody, to Big Dudes in the Trenches. Probably the last show before we all have to go to Kiev and defend Ukraine. So, <laughs> coming in hot, just like Russia did. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, football still exists, and while it does, we will be grateful and talk about it. It's the plan for us. Absolutely fantastic! <laughs> I love that plan right there. Um, so we have some NFL news. A little bit of this is pretty old, but we wanted to wait until Tug was back. So thank you for joining us, Sir Tugas. <laughs> and uh, we also had quite a bit of things go on in the non-NFL pro world, as we will for basically all the spring. It's the best time of the year. I don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is the best time of the year, especially because... We're closing on the NFL Combine, but that's kind of leads right into our first story here. So I guess it's time to go ahead and jump into the news if you guys are ready. I am, man. I am. So, yeah, the NFL Combine. Um, apparently, it's close to getting boycotted by 155 of the invitees, which if you're one of the other 169 invitees, you were probably very excited about this. <laughs> um, but they were upset about the bubble. You know, they didn't like the, the COVID restrictions, especially when around the world and around the country, we're seeing a lot of these restrictions starting to get lifted. Why would there need to be a bubble around the combine? Why do we have to be there two weeks before? And why do we have to stay there after? Why do we have to not have anyone else at the combine? That's really weird, right? The NFL ended up lifting all of these restrictions, so I guess it worked. Um, <laughs> but wow, I'm very surprised that it worked. It, it is insane to me the unification that happened uh, for this specifically, and how it all just came to be. I mean, these guys are represented by 13 different agencies, and for everybody to kind of agree, like, yes, we are, we don't want to have to deal with this. It seems frivolous and unnecessary, you know, and it's unfortunate that a lot, you know, politics kind of get dragged into it with how COVID has become. But the fact that they're all able to come together and get an outcome that they wanted is nothing short of incredible to me, especially when dealing with the NFL. No, absolutely. And I mean, even the restrictions you were saying, Doug, seem to be kind of insane to begin with. Um, But yeah, no, you guys are hitting the nail on the head. I'm surprised that they were able to get them lifted, get what they wanted out of the NFL uh, and and press forward with what's going to be what our first normal combine in two years now. Hopefully we'll see how it goes. Not that far away. Well, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about after the combine. I know I'll have another mock draft up on edtfootball.com once that happens. And we will really start kicking into overtime on some draft coverage. Not there just yet. We have some other things to discuss first, for sure. Um, first things up, we have some coaching news. I know, Tug, your coaching staff's kind of complete now. What's up? Uh, it, it is, and the, the last two hires I saw made me absolutely ecstatic. Uh, bringing in Wes Walker, that was cool. But the two that I love here are bringing in, I believe they're both Hall of Fame cornerbacks for Miami. Uh, Sam Madison and Pat Sertain Sr. are coming in to coach the secondaries and cornerbacks with Sam Madison taking over the pass game specialist duties as well. 
man, you bring these players back. They mean something to city of Miami. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to see. I absolutely love everything about this. Yeah. Every, every once in a while, we have a good coordinator hire. It's always worth talking about. I know this kind of qualifies, right? You know, bring in some actual people who know how to play the position. That works. That's, that's probably something that will help the Dolphins going forward. Uh, some player news here as well. I know Aaron Rodgers' saga is getting pretty old and tired for most at this point. But it is still going on, and it would definitely change the shape of the league if, if something were to actually happen here. We don't know anything new. Just, I mean, gosh. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are have a weird relationship. I don't know what else to call that. <laughs> and I mean that's valid. It's it's insane what he's doing because I mean, he's doing it to him a second year in a row. Um, I hate to say it, but at this point, the Packers should probably just eat the cap hit and say, you know what? If you can't make up your mind, we don't want you, so we can move on with our lives. I'm sure they would get a pretty sizable package if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers. The question is really who has the money to do that and who has and, the assets and who to wants do that. that. Yeah. Right. Right. So the only somewhat logical answer has been the Denver Broncos. Even then, is his relationship with you know, Coach Hackett that good? Is it just the GM that he has a problem with? How far does this really go? There's all sorts of questions. I mean, everyone's been asking the same thing. I don't even know what to add to this, honestly. I think claim to not have weapons or a defense year year in and year out. So we're going to trade you to another team that is lacking in the weapons department and also does not have a defense currently. I don't know how true any of this is. Um, But obviously, you know, I don't really want to bring it up but I think it might play a factor into it. Uh, Shaylee Woodley said that part of the reason she ended their engagement and in their relationship was because he's too dedicated to football. And then he comes out on social media and has nothing but praise and love for Shaylee Woodley. And so I wonder if maybe he's thinking I need to get on to the next phase of my life. And if I, if giving up football is how I do it, I already don't want to be part of a rebuild here in green Bay. So might as well get out and move on while I can, uh, before it is too late. I don't know if, you know, I, that's pure speculation on my part. But at the same time, it's interesting to see uh, kind of where this is going to go. He's certainly holding them hostage. I've seen reports, and this is the part that I'm not sure on how true this is. We'll know what he's going to do by the end of the week, hopefully. And it's already Thursday. People are kind of expecting him to say something tomorrow. I don't know how true that is. And Tug, I completely agree with you. I think the Packers need to say we need a decision or we got to move on because right now they're stuck with Jordan Love and it's a weak quarterback class. So it's great. I will say too, though, Ben, just the only reason I don't really believe kind of your logic of, hey, you know what? He's losing somebody that he loves. Cool. Uh, You know, maybe he's going to give up the cleats and and try and get that back. The only reason I don't believe that is he is – a notorious asshole to everybody but Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> yes, and he's proven that these I'm last two seasons. So. You don't have to convince Bug to disagree with Aaron Rodgers doing anything. 
So. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> like I feel dirty even trying to defend, defend the guy. Him a little right. Bit. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, we have another quarterback story that we might as well get to here. Get off of Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going through some family drama himself. I have not been keeping up with this. I kind of don't want to keep up with this. But I know that you guys have some information. Is it worth talking about? And if it is, what's going on? <laughs> I think what's the bigger story here, what came out early this week, Monday, I think, was when the first story first broke, maybe even over the weekend, that Mahomes had talked to not only his brother, but his fiance and mother of his child uh, and said, hey, I don't want you guys at games anymore. I want you around the team, yada, yada, yada. Patrick Mahomes is a family guy. The next day he tweets out, man, you all believe anything. And the problem is that uh, Richard Ornberger was catfish. Somebody posing as an inside source or Mahomes himself, I, you know, irrelevant. He just didn't take the time to double check. And part of it's because Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Matthews are so despised by the general public for their support and, frankly, their antics, right? <clears throat> They're so despised by everybody. He didn't take the extra second to double check it. He just ran with the story because I think he wanted it to be true. And I think he knew everybody else kind of wanted it to be true. Everybody's kind of tired of seeing these guys in the spotlight right. for supporting their brother, fiance, in their own way. It's it's worse than that, right? So none of their stuff actually translates to Patrick or the Chiefs. It's When they're out there, it's it's on them, which, I mean, yeah, I get that's what social media is for. But they're literally riding Patrick Mahomes' coattails to get to that point. And they're taking advantage of it and their relationship with him for clout is the is the argument that's out there. And then Jackson Mahomes got himself into some some shady shit this I believe it was this season alone, reacting to other fans and stuff. You, you just you can't do that stuff. Um so they they've made a negative name for themselves as Honestly, two of the most annoying people on social media. <laughs> that's hard to and do. And that's saying something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the fact I'm not even on social medias and I know how annoying they are speaks volumes. <laughs> so <laughs> Correct. Uh, but speaking of the Chiefs, it looks like we do have a confirmed, at least semi-confirmed, um, Chiefs-Bucks game to be the first one in Germany. will be in Munich this coming season. That would be awesome. I know that they were two of the teams who got to market in Germany. It would make sense. It's still two high-profile teams, even with Tom Brady retiring. I like that matchup. I think that would be very fun this season. Is it confirmed? I don't know that it really is. I, I think it's, it's, it's very high speculation, I think. If you want to get as close to confirming it as possible without actually confirming it, I think that's where we're at. And like you said, I think a lot of it is because it does make sense. They're the teams that are being marketed in Germany right now. And I think everybody would love to see it, honestly. It'd, it'd be a great matchup. Uh, it'd be a Super Bowl rematch, even though the Buccaneers especially are going to look very different, uh, particularly right. at quarterback. So, Right, we have no idea who's going to be under center for them. I mean, at this point, I guess it te technically still could be Kyle Trask. I mean, <laughs> so, so I've that, been gone. I've been gone for a little bit. Have we touched the rumored reasons why Tom Brady retired? I mean, 
little bit. A bit, but I feel Just like a lot of that. With... I mean, that's I fine. We don't a have lot of, a lot of those rumors feel very much so overblown, and I don't. Oh. <laughs> it feels overblown <laughs> as the uh, yeah, that's enemy and Patrick Mahomes fight for the right. championship True. game, right? Like. True. Okay. Whatever. You know. Yeah, I mean they're both very competitive, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. So the fact that they got into some discussions, I mean, yeah. that's not that's not surprising to me. But yeah, for, to be the reason he retired, he's also like forty-four years old. It's happened. It was going to happen eventually. So. <laughs> um, Jay, thanks for not the like Gronk retiring to not get traded. Right. Right. Gosh. Who knows what's going to happen with him? He he actually seems like he might stay with Buccaneers, which is shocking to me. He also did come out. We didn't really talk about this too much at the time, but he did come out and say he would love to play with Joe Burrow, which, I mean, come on. Why are you even talking about stuff like that? You're not a free agent. <laughs> so what are you doing? Yeah, right. Anyway, that's probably all we have for the NFL. I know we have a lot to get through with non-NFL pro news here. I mean, so much so that we've even got just a uh, USFL tag here. Um, because this was this was huge, right? Um, yes, Jake, we can see your questions on Facebook. Uh, anyway, going back to the USFL, there's a lot to get through. Uh, I do have some overall comments on the draft, but I figure – the best way to go through this is to just go through each team, some of their highlights and picks, uh, either guys that we think will perform well, yeah, uh, were highlight, you know, highlighted for other reasons, um, you know, just whatever we want to take with it here. Uh, I will admit, I don't know anything about the Philly Stars guys. I don't either. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, Philly Stars. I, I think Orleans Breakers. Nothing. I mean, we can we can just flat out say it. I think the Stars have the least inspiring team out of everything. Yeah, probably. I know the generals that's got good. that long sniper for an army, right? So that's that's cool. But yeah, I think it's very appropriate, <laughs> right? Even then, I don't know who else their guys are. And Drew Brees announced a pick for the Breakers. I think that was kind of like a highlight for them. And it's unfortunate. Right. Um, you know, these these three teams could end up running the league, right? We right. Can, we really don't know who these guys are enough that anything's possible. Yeah, I mean, that's – and that's kind of the exciting thing about these leagues. That's why I get so invested in them. And honestly, even if, if the USFL does come back for a second season, it's going to be a little bit harder to get as invested unless the contract situation is such that we have a draft like this every single year. So That would be we'll amazing. Just, it would. I would absolutely would. love that. We'll get there. We'll get there in a minute, Jake. We'll we'll, we'll bring that in at the end. There. We're going to start off with the teams that we do know a little bit more about before we get to that. Though, so thank you for your question. I promise we'll get there. Michigan Panthers. They had the first overall pick, and the way this draft was set up, you had to go in position order. So each round of the draft was allocated to a specific position. And for the Michigan Panthers, they went with Shea Patterson to be their starting guy. And exactly. And I, I said it at the time. I don't know if that was the best pick, the best move here. Uh, certainly, Shea Patterson and the guy that was taken right after him are the top two quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. I, I will say, though, I don't have a ton of faith in Shea Patterson, but if you're the Michigan Panthers, 
you want to take an insane guy to try and get that fan, uh, get rally the fans, get some people behind you, especially with the league only being in Birmingham this year. I've seen a lot of people raise concerns about that. Like, how are you know how are you going to get Michigan guys to be a fan of the Michigan Panthers, for example? You this is what Patterson. Exactly. So, right. Yeah. I think it's a safe pick. I don't. What do you What do you guys kind of think about this one? I know you definitely have an opinion on this, Doug. <laughs> I, my thing is, every time I've seen Shea Patterson play, he's constantly underperformed. It, it's a solid pick. I hope he's successful down here. I just I don't know what to expect out of, out of him because it's just constantly underperforming. You are absolutely right, Bobby. Thank you for that comment on Facebook. They took a name, but at the same time, it was probably the best name that they could have taken right then for some of the reasons that you were pointing out, Ben. I mean, that's that's a surefire way to get some people in-state invested in your team. You're supposed to be, you know, the Panthers, and you're only going to be really playing in Birmingham. So how do you get your, yourselves associated with that state you take some guys from that state. At the same time, this is not a league flush with quarterback talent. This is Shea Patterson is not a great quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Nobody thinks he will be. Even the USFL doesn't. At the same time, he's probably the second or third best quarterback available here, depending on who you ask. And in that situation, you know, trying to build up a brand and getting a solid player, I totally understand taking him number one overall. Do I like Shea Patterson? Absolutely not. Do I understand it? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think the quarterback room could get pretty interesting there. Uh, along with the Bandits, Michigan and Tampa Bay were the only two teams to take FBS talent uh, at quarterback for both starting and backup, I think there's at least one FCS or lower quarterback on every other team. So, you know, right off the bat, I mean, you got to say it's a win for Michigan as far as name and perceived talent. And then same thing for Tampa Bay. We'll get to them in a second. One other position, one other player I want to talk about for the Panthers, Joy Magnifico at tight end. Now, obviously he's out of Memphis, and that has a lot to do with why I want to highlight him. But one of the reasons I want to highlight him is because his senior year was the year Memphis went to the Cotton Bowl. Biggest game in school history, and he had to miss it. He had some knee issues, and it really kind of tanked his hopes at playing in the NFL. Uh, He went on to play – sorry, not play. He went on to coach in the uh, high school level in the state of Tennessee at uh, St. Benedict at Auburndale High School in Memphis, same school as my wife, uh, same place that he went to high school. Uh, And he was the head coach this past year, and he will maintain his head coaching position. He's just going to have a guy filling in the interim from March until whenever the end of the season is. I love seeing this, that he's not only going to get the chance to play at such a high level finally, potentially find his way into the league. I think he has that talent. He definitely had that talent, I should say. I don't know if he still has that talent. I guess we'll see. But I also love that he's going to be able to maintain his head coaching job uh, at his alma mater. 
And that's just – I think that's the most awesome thing about some of these spring leagues is being able to get these guys that are coaches. We saw it last year in the FCF with uh, Mitchie. It's uh, it's just awesome. I, that's, that's probably my favorite thing about the whole thing. And uh, thank you for checking me there, Bobby. And if you see a baby hand coming up, my son's uh, trying to fall asleep in my arms right now. So <laughs> don't, don't freak out. It'd be absolutely fantastic. One of these leagues drafted Adam Gase, and he was still coaching. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> those, are, anyway. those are all the picks I really wanted to highlight for the Panthers, though. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the Tampa Bay Bandits, like we said we were going to for a while. Jordan Tamu, second overall Old Miss alum, but where everybody probably recognizes him from more is his time as quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He started out as a backup there, won the starting job in the XFL, and was electric. Battlehawks had a great ground attack, so I think Tampa Bay is going to have to feed into that to really help Ta'amu as well. And like I mentioned with the Panthers, Panthers got Paxton Lynch. Bandits got Brady White. Both teams, I think, are set up fantastically in this quarterback room. I, I'm excited to see how Ta'amu does at this level again. And I'm, I'm interested to see how the backups for both of these teams might eventually work their way into the roster. Because one thing about these spring leagues, if we've learned anything from the AF and the XFL, is they're wildly unpredictable. I am very excited no, to see Tommy back. Go ahead. <laughs> I was, the only thing I was going to say is just adding to it. Didn't Tayamu also get a... Uh... NFL contract Tamu, for a bit there, although he ended up going to the practice the, squad. He had a stint backing up Patrick Mahomes, actually, for the Chiefs. So he, he's it. got the talent. He need, He's one of those guys that needs more tape, needs more film uh, to get another legitimate shot. And with this being such a weak quarterback class, I feel like we say this all the time, or we've been saying this. And I don't mean weak as far as these guys aren't talented. They just might not be NFL talent. If you well, can show out here. That's right. Just aren't enough of them. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's too. it's not day one ready NFL talent this year. Another big name people probably recognize from the XFL again, Vinny Papali. Of course, you probably recognize it because he is the son of Vince Papali of Invincible Fame. Love to see it again. One of those names that's been floating around. He was in the XFL. He was playing in, playing in the spring league this past spring yeah. as well. I remember uh, him there more than the XFL. Honestly, that's fair. I think I think he was probably more known, and uh, he might not even been in the XFL, honestly. Either way, he's in the USFL. Excited to see <laughs> that. Uh, one name that probably nobody else recognizes, but I really love the pick for the Tampa Bay Bandits was Obi Malafonwu. Uh, he was a safety for the University of Connecticut, who I loved coming into the draft like four years ago. He never really got a shot. He ended up being like a sixth round pick in the NFL draft. Now he finds his way in the USFL. Hey, man, if you can still ball, you can still play, you have a shot. So keep it coming. Keep bringing it. I really like Obi Malafonwu. And I do want to point out here that uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits do have the oldest average team uh, because they did pick up Brady White. (laughs) I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. With him being 117 years old, it does make the average age of the roster 
just the farts. Excuse it a little bit. Oh man, running joke, everybody. I have to make fun of you for Brady White. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm aware. Jeff Thomas, he ended up where did he end up, Bobby? I I don't have it. We didn't have him written down here. We're kind of trying to hit everybody, uh, and it just so happened that QBs were kind of the big thing for both. Uh, uh, for multiple reasons. Michigan. Yeah. Right. Thanks for the like, <laughs> Jeff Bobby. Thomas uh, is down at the Pittsburgh Maulers. We're getting to them. We're getting to the Maulers. He wasn't on our list, but absolutely. Uh, there's there's talent everywhere, right? And Philly, I'm sure they've got some Maulers. Same thing for New Jersey. We're just going to have to wait and see what actually comes of all this. The next team that we have to highlight, player we have to highlight, I guess, is the Houston Gamblers, Clayton Thorston. Yeah, I'm very excited to see him again. When he was at Northwestern, he was, like, slightly above mediocre. (laughs) At the same time, his energy, his personality was incredible. And I can't wait to see him play again because of that. And the USFL is really the kind of league where I think he could thrive. He is probably, to me, not an NFL kind of quarterback. It's just, like, he doesn't have that style. He doesn't have that size, anything. But... He can probably do very well here just because of his competitive drive and his nature and his intelligence. And so I want to see, I think the Houston Gamblers could do very well here with Clayton Thorson. I'm excited to see him play. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll get to kind of the, uh, some of the overall thoughts, but keep note of the fact that we're talking about a big 10 quarterback that never really got a shot, getting a shot in the SFL. Doug, I think I cut you off there. What were you What were you getting ready to say? Yeah, I did want to back us up to the uh, New Jersey Generals real quick. There was one player we wanted to highlight there. I'm blanking on his name, and I feel terrible for it. But, it, hey, the Service Academy shot again. Uh, and uh, the uh, New Jersey Generals aptly selected uh, the long snapper from Army uh, t- to join them and give him a shot at the next level as well. We kind of said that up top. But, yeah, yeah it's fair point. Yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to get mad bringing that up because it's equal right. parts uh, fitting and hilarious all at the same time, right. and it kind of takes me back to talking to General Dawkins. You know, he's all for these guys getting to go straight to a pro career instead of having to serve their commitment. So, my hats off to Scott Flanick. By the way, that's his name there. Uh, good luck, man. Absolutely, and it's it's awesome you're able to to make it there. Uh, from the service academies. Moving on, though, the Birmingham Stallions. They picked up a few guys. They actually picked up a few UAB guys. Again, talk about getting the city that you're representing in your corner. Right. Nothing right. like picking up the team. Uh, nothing like picking up a player from the city you're in, right? Keeping it, keeping it local, getting fans behind you. Love seeing that. And then another guy, Aaron Adeaway, he played for the Birmingham Iron in the AAF. So, yet another familiar name, a guy that I know personally, too. I did not know that he had a brother. Found that out because his brother was also drafted by the Panthers later in the draft after Aaron. And uh, there was a little confusion there. And this, again, we'll bring this up later. But when Aaron was drafted, uh, his 
tweet, draft pictures, had his name, his college, but as brother in the picture. And I'm going to try, I believe it's pronounced Adewale, Adewale Adewale. When he was drafted, he played the same position as Aaron. Edge, defense, you know, pass rusher type guy. He went to Utah State. It was his picture in Aaron's uh, Aaron's announcement. Uh, the Panthers just decided, you know what, we're just going to put up a helmet. And this was not the only case of that where they just didn't put up any picture. There were several players with that, which I think is just ridiculous. Terrible. It shouldn't right. have happened at all. And we'll we'll get to more of it later. Um, man, it's we'll we'll get to more of that later. I'm I'm stoked for Aaron, and again, getting to play. You know, he's going to be playing in Birmingham regardless. Getting to play for another hometown team, essentially. Again, he was great for the Iron and the AAF. Spent some time on a few practice squads in the NFL. Most recently, the Packers. He started the season with the Ravens. Went to Green Bay, and that's disappointing. But different story, unrelated. Uh, I can 100% say this guy is a baller and a fierce competitor. I'm excited to see him play again. Doug, I know Scooby Wright. This is your guy, man. Oh, yeah. If you guys remember all the way back, 2014, college football, Scooby Wright was one of the biggest names in all the NCAA. I'm not kidding you. You probably don't remember him anymore. Scooby Wright the third was one of the best linebackers in college football history in 2014. I am not making that up. He had 29 tackles for a loss, 14 sacks, 99 tackles, solo tackles, 163 total tackles. Dude was everywhere. He was Nagurski Award winner, unanimous All-American, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Lombardi Award, Bednarik Award, everything. He got hurt his junior season, didn't play, and because of that, he ended up getting picked in the seventh round by the Cleveland Browns. Never really made it in the league. He got cut. I don't know what his injury was. And I really wish I knew because that's apparently what took him down. He was unstoppable until then. If he can get back to any semblance of what he was in 2014, Scooby Wright III is going to, to absolutely destroy this league. I mean, it looked like he was primed to be all Pro Football Hall of Famer after his sophomore season at Arizona. And it just it didn't happen. He, he got hurt. But, man, he is a fantastic player. And before we move on to the last team that we have some insight into, uh, Ghost Falcon, to answer your question from Twitch there, I do believe that uh, Flinnick is the only uh, academy player to make it to the USFL. doesn't mean somebody won't make it to the FCF, and it certainly doesn't rule out the possibility of somebody making it in the NFL draft or even – uh, the XFL next year, of course, probably be a different, you know, next year's senior class instead of this year's. But, yeah, I mean, still, I, it's crazy how many academy, service academy guys we see end up seeing in these spring leagues. And some of them even end up making it to the NFL as well. So, it's uh, it's just a matter of time, right? Just a matter of time. Last but not least, you know, we already talked about the Breakers. Nothing really inspiring with that team with their draft. But the Pittsburgh Maulers, there's a guy that we had highlighted here. Doug, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so Kyle Laletta is probably another name that nobody remembers. But he was a great quarterback at Richmond a couple of years ago. Bounced around a couple of NFL teams. He was actually became second strength for the New York Giants before getting released. Ended up going to the Cleveland Browns. And, I mean, it's another Browns player, I guess. 
I'm not highlighting them because they were on the Browns at one point. I really. <laughs> we know the truth. You're secretly falling back in love with them. Up yours. Um, <laughs> but I just I remember Kyle Walletta coming in, one of the late round quarterbacks that I was really interested in in I believe 2015, 2016 that time period. And I just remember him watching him at Richmond with that spider logo on the helmet. That just it changed yep. my life. I became an FCF uh, FCS fan after seeing Kyle Walletta. So <laughs> that's that's really changed the shape of this show. I never saw him play. I don't know if we would talk about the FCS as much as we do. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Before I get into the the couple of points that I have here, Jake, we had a question from you from Facebook from a little while ago. So we'll uh, we'll we'll go to that now. On a thirty-five man roster, which position groups do you think will be most exposed for depth? <laughs> Honestly, the way this draft was organized and ordered out. Tight end, right? All these teams were only allotted one tight end to draft. Uh, they had some weird policy about if you pass on a play, if you pass on a round in the draft, you got a compensatory pick in another round. So you could end up getting, you know, an extra guard or an extra tackle. That's what a lot of teams did. Half the teams, I think there were only three teams that took a uh, took a long snapper. There were only three teams, you know, half the league took a kicker. The other half took a punter. I think whoever they took is going to have, you know, be dual hat. They're going to be doing it all. Right. And the teams that didn't take a long snapper, they're probably going to throw a tight end or a defensive player in there. They'll do the long snapping duties for them. Or just so a I, center could be. Or, or the regular center, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's – to me, though, the biggest depth-revealing position is going to be tight end just because there's only one of them. That's really interesting because there's a lot of – different offensive sets that use multiple tight end. Uh, I'm going to kind of stay in the same vein. I don't know how deep the roster is here, but I do know how much these guys get hit. Now, keep in mind, I love the offensive line, but the reason I don't think it's going to get exposed for depth as much is because they're probably, like you were saying, Ben, probably going to get a lot of versatility on that offensive line. If you play one position, I can kind of throw you in anywhere. So if I have three backups, that's good enough. Uh, and that's three for the five positions. I think where you're going to see a lot of the, the teams hurting the most are going to be your wide receiver and your running back, your skill positions on the offensive side of the ball, taking those big hits. I mean, we saw it. I don't know what they have for um, field surface down at Birmingham, but if it's turf, man, wide receivers and those non-contact knee injuries are are insane. So I, I'm going to be probably looking more at the wide receiver to be exposed the most. I was going to say running backs for a pretty similar reason, but also considering, you know, it's very common anymore to see in both NFL and college even see two, three running back rotations. That's not going to be possible with this small of a roster size. You're going to need a need a workhorse back. And not everyone's capable of doing that. Really, especially in the NFL level, we really only see, I don't know, one guy that I can name who does that all the time. That would be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Yeah, so, Derrick Henry, yeah. other than him, everybody else has a rotation partner at, at very minimum, if not a trio of backs. So, that will be that'll be pretty tough. Defensive backs you can work with. You can kind of move around different positions there. Linebackers, uh, you're 
defensive line, I guess you can kind of work some things out. Offensive line, like you said, you need some positional flexibility, but you can make it work. Really, to me, it's running backs more than anything. It's worth mentioning, too, that the tight end round was the second to last round of the draft. And you had the option of a tight end or a second, or I think it was a third, they call it the halfback, right? It wasn't specified uh, fullback, running back, it's just a halfback. Um, that's, it, it says a lot that everybody took a tight end. Nobody took another running back. So right. uh, it's, it's very interesting. One thing I want to go into before we kind of, you know, kind of just getting into my overall thoughts and reactions to the draft here, a lot of Big Ten and FCS talent taken in this draft. And this is not like the AAF where they had Trent Richardson. It's not like the XFL where they brought in some older guys. I mean, shit. Trace McSorley was coming back from the grave to play quarterback in the XFL, right? It, this this wasn't it. This was purely, let's go find these guys that deserve a shot. It's got a lot of that uh, the spring league feel, right? You know, except these guys are going to get paid instead of having to pay to be a part right. of it. You know. uh, <laughs> I was really hoping to see our guy Quentin Flowers get a shot. But oh, that would be fantastic. The quarterbacks you a little bit younger. And I'll, I'll throw this out here. You know, uh, Paxton Lynch, he was in the CFL requested his release to be in this draft. Honestly, when he got released, I was kind of hoping he'd end up in the FCF. I think he'd do great in the FCF. But, you know, I'm excited to see him in the USFL as well. Yeah, because he can't throw the ball more than 30 yards anyway, so. You've never – you're fucking killing me, man. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. I, and then the next thing. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about. Bobby, we'll get to that comment here in a minute. But the next thing I want to talk about is that this draft coverage was dismal, right? Oh, yeah. This it's is the still, most. It's still hard to find a complete listing of who all was drafted from the actual USFL source. This is the most live coverage of anything we got. Nothing on YouTube. They've got this partnership yeah. with Fox. Nothing there. It was just updates on Twitter. I think probably on Facebook, like you, you couldn't get one camera. And I mean, we're sitting here in three different states, three different time zones. We're doing a live podcast with zero dollars, you know, uh, not zero dollars, but like nobody, we, we definitely have zero dollars from outside backers, right? Right, right. And we're doing this. And this is this picture right here. This is the best we got from this league. And there's a lot of people that have raised a lot of different concerns for a lot of different reasons. Talked about it a little bit last week. Some of that is because they aren't doing anything to inspire confidence, right? You're sitting here. It, it just seems like they're putting out what they want to put out when they want to put it out and not put it out when it makes sense to put it out. Yep. It, you know, and it's, Oh, it's so frustrating. And we already talked about it. The players not having a picture on their draft notification from their team. That's an absolute joke. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I just. Again, we, we're doing this with zero outside help and look at the graphics that we put together, or I should say Doug puts together for for our bracket time. It doesn't take that much work with the resources they have to put those graphics together to say, hey, welcome to the team. That's, Even still, I will say our graphics could totally get better if you support us on Patreon. A hundred percent. Com slash BDT football. 
absolutely go uh, go throw some money at it. We got the the biggest thing we have to offer right now is our Discord, and we absolutely will take any ideas you have for more off season material. Uh, please go check it out. And before we move on to our other piece of non NFL pro news, our other big piece of non NFL pro news, I should say, wanted to get to Bobby's comment here. We're gonna backtrack a little bit with this comment and go into uh, back to into the NFL a little bit. The Cards and Kyler Murray are working on a contract extension. You know, saying this just came across his newsfeed. Man, things have been tumultuous for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Even speculation that he would play baseball, which I'll say it again, I don't think anybody's fucking playing baseball this year. Different. (laughs) We're not a baseball podcast. Very different discussion. But it's interesting that they're finally saying, hey, maybe we should, you know, try and keep our franchise quarterback on the team here. No, no, no. What's weird is how long it took them to say that. True. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Man, the Cardinals are in a mess. And it's actually like a decent roster at most positions. But the yep. positions where they're bad at are really important positions. <laughs> so <laughs> that's well, that's why they struggled down this stretch. And I don't know why the ownership is so hard headed and refuses to see that. It's it's gonna take more than a single off season to get a competitive team together. It just is. It's the NFL. I mean you can't turn nothing into something overnight. Unless you're the Cincinnati Bengals, in which case it takes just still takes you, still takes you a year and a half. But I mean, hey, if Kyler Murray is who, um, what's his face, head coach over there? Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. If Kyler Murray is half the quarterback that Cliff Kingsbury apparently thinks he is, then they ought to be fine with that guy. I mean, gosh, Cliff Kingsbury, that whole saga of him trying to recruit the kid out of high school, never got him. And then... You know, wanted him to come to Texas Tech, even like trying to get him to transfer, and he never did. And then I'm going to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I know we took a quarterback last year in the first round, but forget that guy. I'm getting the guy I've wanted for four four or five years at this point. (laughs) What in the world are you doing, dude? And making it work. It's kind of appropriate that, Bobby, you derailed us a little bit. I don't mean that in a negative light. But you derailed us a little bit to take us back to the NFL. But that's fine, because our next story is about this NFL-XFL partnership. And I, for one, half called this, right? You know, well, pat myself on the back here a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, go ahead. Introducing the Super Bowl without wanting to do explore some kind of partnership or deal with the XFL. I feel like we all kind of called this at some point. <laughs> I'm the one that said it, so... I know. totally said it before, too. You're just not selective not memory. memory. Not if, I do have if a If only memory, we had all correct. of those episodes recorded. Right. If only they were available somewhere that you could go watch them all. I don't know. Or listen to them all. Anywhere you could find podcasts, actually. There you go. <laughs> I, I will say, though, too, uh, the XFL has made it clear. They're not going to be a developmental league. Right? This is not going to become triple uh, A baseball. Right. This is going to they're still gonna be their own thing. Their goal is to be the best at spring football. And they currently are a year behind what's gonna be their biggest competitor with the USFL. Right. It's interesting. They're they've gotta be taking notes, right? Much like I did last I time so. with the AAF. 
and I, th- I think they were a better product than the AAF. It's just unfortunate that COVID happened, right? Right. Yep. I What I really like about this, though, they're not a developmental league for the players. They kind of are a developmental league as far as some rule changes, getting some better reps in there, you know, getting some different setups as far as, like, review process and all that. I really like the direction that's going. If we can get any improvements to the game, in those regards, I would be very excited. So, a development league, we don't really need even. I mean, college football is AAA baseball, if we want to make that comparison. I mean, they, the NFL Europe, I mean, they had it. It produced Kurt Warner, a guy that we're talking about in bracket time right now. Right? For every so, Kurt Warner you had, you had 500 guys that you will never remember. Their oh, name. I, absolutely. So, I, trust, yeah, I mean, trust that me, that's true for AAA baseball, too. Like, well. Very true. Uh, And one of the terms that keeps getting thrown out here, the XFL is going to be a Petri dish for the NFL. And all I can say, you're going to be testing new equipment, rules, officials, even coaches. Really interesting interesting language in light of a deadly pandemic that was possibly No one said the NFL was smart. Uh, This was uh, XFL president Russ Brandon. Anyway... (laughs) No one said well, they were smart either. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, my God. I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I will say is if they take anything out of oh. the XFL and implement it in the NFL, I want it to be the kickoffs. Please, God, give me the XFL kickoffs in the NFL. That, by far and away, the one thing I want to see the most I hope it's still the same when the XFL comes back. I see no reason to change it back to anything different. Do you guys remember anything from XFL 2.0 that you would like to potentially see in the NFL? I was not around for it, so... Yeah, you were overseas, I forgot. I loved kickoffs. They were great. Also, I do remember the Xbox controllers. You know, We got to see some live footage of the review process. I would like uh, that. Which I actually liked that a lot. And I know it was very informal, and it looked a little bit janky. But if we get some actual equipment up there, and we get a live feed of the review, that would be great. So much better than what we do right now in the NFL. I, yeah. I was going to say, that's one of the things that annoys me about the NFL. And it's gotten to the point where they just cut to commercial break now anytime there's a review. Right. But and at even least when the I, fans really not understanding what yeah. the hell they're making the call for. Even worse than that, though, because it, there was a point at, where – we would get some of the angles, but they'd be like, well, there's other angles that they're looking at in the booth. Well, right. give me those angles. Exactly. But, no, the the one thing I want them to test right away, I don't know how, I, I forget how it was in the original XFL, but here's the one thing I want the NFL to work on right away with the XFL. An understandable catch rule that can be consistently applied. That'll never happen in your lifetime, I promise you. Yeah, we never said that happened. about World War Three too, but yet, look, here we are. I never said that about World War III. Uh, I think I thought it was Truman did, and he was right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll add that besides the kickoffs, I would love to see some addition of radios and helmets, right? The game has become a lot more like chess, even with you know the passing rules and not going so much with run games. Being able to talk to your guys on the field up to the snap, right. I think that's game-changing. And then the players being able to communicate, I actually think that's a brilliant thing that the XFL I, added. 
I, I don't like that for the NFL, and I don't like it for the reason that you, now you're taking the home field away, home field advantage away from from some of these teams, That's right? Fair. So, it, if I can come up to the line and everybody can clearly hear my hard count. You know, that's one thing. Everybody can clearly hear me adjust the play. That that takes a lot of the strategy out of the game. It takes the fans out of the game is realistically what it does. And that's that's really not what we're trying to do. We're trying to embolden the fans and give them more of a – make them feel like they're a part of the action on the field, even though they're not directly involved. So I, I'm going to hold off on the radios. I'm not a huge fan of that just because it does have a tendency to – kind of take the fans out of the games. It works in the XFL when they weren't really selling out these big stadiums, things like that. But you start applying that to the NFL. I mean, let's put it this way. You, you do it for the NCAA, and then how much easier does it get to offensively adjust in the game when you're on the road? Like, that's – I'm not really a huge fan of that, personally. They were selling out the seats that they were selling at these games. You know, they weren't <laughs> selling up upper deck. But, you know, if you want to be involved as a fan with your team more than just making noise, go check out the FCF. They're having their <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that yeah, was I coming. Mean, thanks, thanks for the softball there. They're having their final tryout this week. It'll be on Twitch. Be sure to check it out. Get involved. Get a team. I think there's still some ballers available if you're into NFTs, if that's your thing. Not, not a ton else from the FCF right now. Jake, we got a comment here from Facebook. I completely agree with you that while the XFL is going to be a year behind starting, they're going to be light years ahead when it comes launch time. I completely agree. This is The XFL is the brand of our generation. The USFL is the brand of our parents' generation. Yeah, there's nostalgia value for both of them. Right now, we're the bigger consumer base, and that's going to play to the XFL's advantage. I will say, I will say I thought it was going to be a lot more equal. But then seeing what the USFL has done so far, it's like, what are y'all doing? Get it together, or this is going to be this is going to be rough if you don't start fixing some things. Well, we mentioned the FCF, and we we mentioned the FCF tryout. So, Doug, we we naturally have to ask, what what's your tryout number for this for this attempt? Yeah, what's yours? <laughs> Let's go into college news. What do you say? <laughs> Knucklehead, <laughs> get out of here. Look, if yeah, we're going to we, make fun of Ben for be, Brady White he, being old as dirt. You're allowed to make fun, fun of me. I'm allowed to push back, though. So does Ben. Oh, so, so valid. We do have some college news. Uh, very small bits of college news, I got to say. Uh, just This is more funny to me than anything, this first one here. Uh, the, the whole saga with Conference USA and the Sun Belt is still very much so ongoing. If you will recall, the, <laughs> the fine programs up at Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss are all leaving Conference USA. They announced this last October. And according to Conference USA bylines, they need to give 14 months notice before they actually leave the conference. They are scheduled already to be playing in Conference USA this coming fall. But then the three of them came out a couple weeks ago and said, actually, I think we want to go ahead and go to the Sun Belt anyway. Let's do that this June. Now, Conference USA obviously had a problem with that, and we're threatening to take Marshall to court and Old Dominion and Southern Miss, but Marshall responded here, which is hilarious to me. Marshall sued them first, 
and won. Love it. They got a restraining order against Conference USA. God, Conference USA needs to die. <laughs> and so it certainly seems like Marshall's going to be able to leave early. This is incredible. I love everything about it. Uh, essentially, the argument was that you know, as a state school, Marshall is acting as an extension of the state of West Virginia, and Conference USA has no authority has no constitutional authority over the state of West Virginia and what sports conference it decides to align itself with. Hold, Which, hold up, hold up. To some yeah, extent, hold. to some extent, this is fantastic and hilarious. At the same time, they totally did sign a contract. What are you going to say, Doug? What does this do for Oklahoma, Texas? They're both state schools, <laughs> right? Who, I, right? It wasn't due for Old Dominion, who's the private yeah. school. So, well, they're different. They signed their own contract. Exactly. So are they going to be forced to stay in the Conference USA? Old Dominion has Marshall. money to pay the fine anyway. So. I'm wondering if this is Marshall, Marshall basically saying, hey, as a public school, we didn't pass this through the legislature, so did we have the authority to enter into that contract? Oh, man. Which is a fantastic legal argument. That is A+. plus. It and, and, worked so far, right, at least and, for at least in the West Virginia court, where the guy, the the judge, basically said, uh, "It's in the public's best interest that we just move on." <laughs> we are Marshall. We are, we are getting out of here. <laughs> I love everything about this story. It's totally well. Wow, it's very college football right now. It's very college football. <laughs> um, a couple of smaller stories here. I do want to say it's very funny to me that since Jay Norvell has taken over Colorado State going from Nevada, there have been 11 Nevada transfers, including redshirt punter. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? Followed his head coach to Colorado State. That's wonderful. What? <laughs> uh, NC State has extended their head coach, Dave Doran. Absolutely needed to happen. Dave Doran has been fantastic. Actually, right now, the second winningest head coach in NC State Wolfpack history. Certainly seems to have them poised to contend at least for the ACC title this coming season, if not compete for a spot in the college football playoff. They should be a very, very good team that's coming fall. He gets an extension through 2026. Excited for Dave Doran. And I really do like NC State football. It's always it's always fun to watch. Always a team that you don't really want to play. So I like to see them doing well. Love it. Sorry, I'm still hung up on, on the punter situation out in uh, Fort Collins. My bad. I mean, Mountain West is full of surprises every year. Um, last little bit here, I wanted to talk about Art Bryles coming back to coaching because, wow, Art Bryles is back. He is now the offensive coordinator at Grambling State under Hugh Jackson. And first of all, it's really cool to see these HBCUs down the FCS level getting some real coaching for the first time in 
a while. It really feels like these are some world-class coaches going down to these HBCUs right now. And also, how was Art Briles back? Didn't what he do at Baylor kind of preclude him from ever getting a job ever again anywhere? It's It's been a few years, so people have forgotten. Uh, not me. I've definitely not forgotten that. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, covering up some sexual assaults. Nothing, nothing that'll keep yeah, you out of a job anymore, apparently. Little things. Little things. He wasn't paying his players, guys. I don't know what expectation you have for the NCAA. Exactly. Very, unfortunately true. All <laughs> right. Before we move on, I do got to say, Bobby, I've been, I've been seeing your comments here and I've agreed the entire offseason so far with what Miami's been able to do to kind of piece together a top 15 class under Mario Cristobal with a late start in that recruiting class. He's doing some amazing work down there, and I'm excited to see the U get back to a relevant program, even if it takes a couple years to get there. I mean, I think they'll be pretty dang solid this coming season, actually. I think they're poised to probably get another nine pushing for a 10 double-digit win season, and that's certainly within reach. I don't think this is too bad of a schedule either. So, I mean, it's not It's an ACC ideal. schedule. So. It's not an ideal schedule, but it's as far as schedules go, it's not bad. So, yeah, I think Miami could do very well this season. And if you guys want us to talk about any other team in particular, just let us know. We can spend all day talking about whoever. If you guys want us to talk about Montana State for 24 hours straight. I will find some things to talk about Montana State. So the way to do that, for real, is to contact us either live, as Bobby just did. Thank you so much for commenting. Or hit us up on all of our social media. So we have a Twitter, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram. All those links are scrolling at the bottom of the screen. But if you're just listening, think at BDT football or Instagram BDT underscore football. You can find us all sorts of places. Thank you so much for giving us a follow. And I said much weird, so we're going to move on. <laughs> I will say, too, Bobby, Jake, Ghost Falcon, anybody else that's watching on Facebook or Twitch, we've got something planned that, you know, there's going to be a week where it's we're not we're just not going to have as much to talk about. And this is kind of our first go-to topic. If you've been with us uh, for any amount, for a year at least, you know, last offseason, uh, Tug, you and Doug both did this together. I was not available for that episode, but we grew up playing backyard football, the humongous games, video game on computer, and, you know, eventually on GameCube, Xbox, all that fun stuff. Well, and literal backyard football. Like, yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Uh, and we want to do a five-on-five backyard football fantasy draft. We'd love for uh, to get a chat team going, so please – Tell your friends. Get your friends involved. Give us a follow on Facebook or Twitch. It's twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Uh, get those notifications on so you see when we go live. And we'd love to build you know, our own teams, build yours, and then uh, you know, on a later date, we'll probably uh, do some head-to-head, see who we think, uh, think is the better team there. Now, maybe not bracket style, uh, you know, but... We'll see what happens. See how many we'll, chances we'll we get. We'll uh, we're not, uh, yeah. break it down, right? We're not doing any five-on-five backyard football this episode, but certainly stay tuned. I'm, I promise you, we will talk about it at some point this offseason. <laughs> Love to get the chat involved. 
But in the meantime, before we get out of here, we have one segment left to talk about. It is. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, this queued up to play. It is I bracket did. time. I did. Whoa. I screwed it up a little bit. All right, just it clicking, clicking too much. I mean, it's all right. It's still counts. <laughs> Let's see how today's bracket unfolds. Oh, it's so beautiful. What else could we do? I still hate hearing myself say, that's all right. I almost forgot how good that sounded. Oh. <laughs> Do we I have do, do we have any music uh, recording uh, studios in the in the chat? So hit Doug up. He he might have oh. some cover songs for you. Oh man, I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> you just gotta drive oh, to man. Nashville. It's not very far for you. It's not very far for me. I could totally do that. But you know, do we want to do that? That's a that's the real question. Anyway, we have some bracket time to get to. We are still counting down the greatest MVP in NFL history. Every single one of them, all 67 in the past. We have already narrowed down the field quite a bit, and we are getting going with eight more matchups here today. First up is 2013 Peyton Manning up against 1990 Joe Montana. Now, all of our social medias combined, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook polls, they ended up going with Peyton Manning on this one. It was very close. I'll hand it off to Tug first. What do you think? Man, if this were any of the other Peyton Mannings, Joe Montana might have had more of a chance in my mind. You put up his best statistical season by almost every category. It's going to be hard for me not to go Peyton Manning. Just under 5,500 yards. Set the record at the time for 55 TDs in a season. I'd take 2013 Peyton Manning at the tail end of his career over 1990 Joe Montana. Yeah, it's uh, – it's, I think it's easily Peyton Manning. I think Instagram absolutely got this one right. He, the, Joe Montana was actually winning elsewhere, so this is just, I, I guess, more incentive for you to vote everywhere. Like, we're not going to stop you. We can't see where you're voting. Go vote everywhere because – I do think Joe Montana, I think it's closer than what the Instagram results ended up being where Peyton Manning ran away with it and ended up subsequently running away with the entire uh, entire vote here. I, I got to say, I, I don't understand why Joe Montana got such little love, though, on Instagram, because I think I would go that direction myself, right? Neither team won the uh, Super Bowl that year. Joe Montana, I don't know. He's just doing things differently, right? The game hadn't become super pass-heavy. It was kind of going that direction. He's part of the reason for that. But for that time in – for that day of football, that time of football, the stats just don't stack up in Joe Montana's favor. I get it. I still would go that way. I, he, he meant so much to those 49er teams. I, it's not a clean sweep here. Well, that's not the only instance of Joe Montana that we have in this bracket. So it's not like we're losing Joe Montana entirely. I know that... Uh, Just the know, 1990 the, version. The 1989 version is alive and kicking. So we will <laughs> see Joe Montana again. <laughs> in the meantime, 
here comes Peyton Manning. That 2013 season was incredible. I mean, wow. And 16 interceptions for Joe Montana. I didn't even know he threw that many interceptions in a season, let alone an MVP season. So, wild. Wild things happening here. But our next matchup of the day, Dan Marino in 1984. We already know which way Tug's voting. And up against Terrell Davis, 1998. Now, this one ended up going Terrell Davis on social media. Again, a very close one. But we'll start with Bug here. Yeah, you know, Instagram was the only one that really showed Dan Marino the love. Uh, Terrell Davis won it everywhere else. Good Lord, I'm getting hung up right now. And I think, you know, Instagram went with Dan Marino, the sexier name, the one everybody thinks of and knows first, I guess, if you want to put it like that. Terrell Davis, though, yeah, you had John Elway, but that team doesn't operate and function the way it does without TD, right? He had one of the best seasons for a running back at the time. Obviously, we've seen better. This is by, you know, by no no stretch is this the best season ever. When he only dropped the ball two times all year. Yeah, only dropped the ball two times, clear 2,000 yards, and scored more than 20 total touchdowns. It's uh, it's clear why he won the MVP. What's not clear to me is how he's become such an afterthought, I feel, uh, in the annals of NFL history. I, I agree with, uh, uh, with social media here and 100%. I got to move on TV here. I, I know I'm not going to be able to convince you guys otherwise, but I do want to highlight back in 1984, Dan Marino, in his second season, putting up 5,000 passing yards, was absolutely insane for the time. Absolutely insane. And uh, 48 touchdowns. So if I'm not mistaken, that would have been a single-season yardage record and a single-season touchdown record. The same thing we just moved on Peyton Manning for. Uh, unfortunately, they ran into the red-hot 49ers that year in the Super Bowl, and Danny still doesn't have a ring, and I am still depressed. Um but, hey, you're right, Doug, 100% was going to vote for Dan Marino. Understand moving on to Terrell Davis with a 2,000-yard season. That's also fantastic. But my vote sticking with Dan, Dan the man here. One thing that really kills it for me is the 17 interceptions versus two fumbles. I yeah, know it's valid. not exactly an even comparison, but that's a lot of turnovers. And also, Terrell Davis won the Super Bowl. So, 2,000-yard <laughs> rusher is moving on here. Terrell Davis... We'll be going up against Peyton Manning next time we see this side of the bracket. That's that would have that would have been a fun conversation theoretically, though. A five thousand yard Peyton Manning versus a five thousand yard Dan Marino. That would have been that would have been fun. I I'm genuinely curious why on Facebook and Twitter Marino got no love, and he he didn't blow Terrell Davis out on Instagram by any means. He won it solidly, but it. There were still enough people that recognized the talent that Davis brought. I'm very curious what everybody else was kind of thinking here. Bobby, I I don't know which way you voted, if you voted, and same thing for Jake. Anybody else that's in the chat, if you got any idea of why, you know, or even tell us which way you want it, you would go on this one, because it's it's very interesting to me that Marino didn't get more love. You know, we talked about how this has become such a quarterback heavy award. And we see it in this bracket itself, right? It's a very quarterback heavy award. It's interesting to me that Dan Marino didn't get more love. I guess I guess that's probably the easiest way to leave it. 
Ben, before we get into the actual matchup here, you do have to vote for one of these two guys. <laughs> I'll well, vote for I, the one that won social media. There we go. Uh, <laughs> if you'll let me introduce the bracket first, gentlemen. <laughs> we have 2021 Aaron Rodgers this past season up against 1966 Bart Starr and social media. It was a relatively clean sweep. Pretty much everywhere went with Bart Starr. I know which way you're going, Ben. Uh, why don't I we start the... with Pug? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, man, I, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I'm going Bart Starr here, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going with Bart Starr. Aaron Rodgers wasn't even the best MVP candidate out of this year's options, so I can't move him on knowing that he should have lost this award. This was handed to him because uh, somebody felt bad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we know Ben's not going to disagree there. What do you got, Bug? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely some recency bias in the opposite direction. Take aside the fact that I don't like Aaron Rodgers. He, in my mind, didn't deserve the MVP this year to begin with. So, of course, I'm not going to vote him over Bart Starr. I wouldn't vote him over Mark Mosley, right? And Mark Mosley probably didn't deserve the MVP either, but I know for a fact Aaron Rodgers didn't deserve the MVP this year. Well, and that's that's taking all my Aaron Rodgers hate out of it. He didn't deserve it. You both agree with me, so I do agree with you, hundred percent. So Bart Starr is moving on. Nice um, sweep. <laughs> and speaking Suck of it. Mark Mosley, he's he won the MVP in nineteen eighty two as a kicker, the only kicker, only special teams player really to ever win MVP. Up against quarterback Patrick Mahomes, two thousand eighteen, very good season there. Um, kind of a weird matchup here, but you know, of course, social media did go with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I guess let's start with you, Bug. Who do you got? These kicker numbers aren't impressive at all, right? Uh, you know, John Turner, he's been running around on a football world, friend of the show, has been running around talking about how kickers, punters are not football players. I said, well, John, a guy from your own team, a kicker from your own team is the only kicker to ever win the MVP. He fires back with, yeah, well, everybody on that team ended up making fun of him for winning it. So did he really win it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, it's brutal. I have no idea how he won the MVP. I guess in a strike sorting season, it just makes sense to do something crazy and off the wall and give the MVP to a kicker, right? I mean, Why maybe not? he scored the most points. I doubt he it. He didn't. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's no stat where he led anything. He probably led the kicking stats among all kickers. Sound, but even sounds that, like yeah, he did Yeah, I, I don't get it. He did. So, I get it. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed some light because I didn't watch these games, and all we have in front of us right now is pure stats, right? Number one. First off, let me get this out of the way. Yeah, I'm moving on Patrick Mahomes. There's no question here. <laughs> but, I, but I am going to make somewhat of a case for Mark Mosley here. 95.2% field goal percentage is actually really good. He made 20 field goals on the season. My concern would be the 16 of 19 extra points. Because this is when it was but here, from like the two-yard line. Yeah, 17-yard. But here's the question. How many of those 20 field goals he made 
came in the last minutes or last seconds of a game where he was how many of them were one score games where he was the one put in those final points to to win the game that's where you get your most valuable kickers those clutch situations i, mean, I would have argued that the mvp of the what was it 2001 super bowl should have been adam benatari just for their entire playoff run to that point right so I'll throw this out here. Maybe too. You know, that's Adam the case. Steven Goskowski, you could have made arguments for both of them to win a Super Bowl MVP here or there. And you, you, we talked about it uh, when we were talking about NFL awards. Evan McPherson should have had, you know, moment of the season, not uh, not Joe Burrow, right? Jo- Joe Burrow gets really... it for a play he wasn't even on the field for. Yeah, right. I mean, right. Quarterback loves, right? <laughs> But the quarterback deserved it this round. So Patrick Palm is moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Mark Mosley. Uh, glad you played. So our next matchup here is 1967 Johnny Unitas up against 1979 Earl Campbell. The forever uh, Houston Oiler that John couldn't think of a couple <laughs> weeks ago. We have to rub that in every time. So, that, you know, uh, Johnny fine. Unitas did win this one on social media. Earl Campbell Definitely won one of our polls, but then like it all swung towards Johnny Unitas, the other ones. So interesting, interesting setup here. He not only won this is this was the weirdest thing to me. On Facebook, he won in a clean sweep. And then in Twitter went Unitas. It was more in his favor, and then he gets swept by a lot on Instagram. I don't Wild. know what's going on there. Wild. Which one he wants to take this one first? Man, I'm I'm struggling with this one because there are numbers for both that stick out to me, and it's the same stat line ish, and it's very concerning to me for both of them. It's those turnovers, man. That's that's killing mm-hmm. me. The turnovers, uh, the turnovers are a killer. I, I I agree with you, but it's a it's a strike against each of them. No, absolutely. That's why I'm struggling with actually who I'm going with here. The four point six yards per carry sticks out more to me as a positive than the 58% completion percentage for Johnny Unitas. And yeah, but the 3,400 yards in 1967 stick out to me more than the 1,700 yards in 79. Yeah. You weren't on last episode, but here's a point that I made before uh, maybe helpful here in determining this. At some point, you have to consider the Colts system. Because Johnny Unitas won multiple MVPs here. Earl Morrill was also very good in this system. And we saw Burt Jones win an MVP with the Baltimore Colts. Like, who is that? Throwing similar numbers. So at what point do we consider that maybe Johnny Unitas was maybe a little bit of a product of his system? You could say the same thing for Earl Campbell, too. Maybe he was a little bit of a product of his system as well. That's certainly possible. But, I mean... This was a certainly a quarterback-friendly scheme to be in the 1960s. So I, I'm I'm going to go off off the rails here, and I'm going to go with my gut. I don't really have a very good reason for it. Um, my gut tells me to go Earl Campbell. Uh, whether it's because the name's more recognizable to me, not be you know neglecting the fact that I totally forgot about him like two weeks ago. Gotta make up. I, I don't. I, I, I don't know if it's just the name's more more uh known to me or if it 
or if it's just that when I'm looking at these two players and I'm going, who do I want to start a franchise around? I want Earl Campbell. And that might be my argument there. I'll, I'll say here, too, I'm going to go with Earl Campbell as well, because if we're looking at this, and I, I definitely think that the scheme is a reason that both of these guys were successful, both Johnny Unitas and Earl Campbell, products of their system. I think that's very fair to say the Oilers system was better, right? In 1979, the Oilers were the AFC runner-ups. They made it into the playoffs. Johnny Unitas and the Baltimore Colts, second place in the Colts division. I, I mean, it's pretty black and white right there. Earl Campbell was able to do the Houston Oilers system better in this MVP season than Johnny Unitas was able to do the Baltimore Colts system in his 1967 MVP season. Doug, it's on you. If you want to move on Unitas, we'll move on Unitas. But if you want to go Earl Campbell, hey, we've talked about it before. This is what we need to, to go against our social media here. It's not going against them as much as it seems because Earl Campbell really did win one of our polls, and it was was relatively close. Um, we have Johnny Unitas again later in this bracket. I am perfectly okay moving Earl Campbell on here. It, honestly, this is a situation where if the bracket were set up differently and either of these guys were up against Dan Marino, Dan Marino would have moved on. So... That's a little bit unfortunate, yeah. honestly. You had to choose that one. <laughs> yeah, I did. Now, yeah. Not the Joe Montana that we passed over. No, 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 no. I made a point for a reason. So, <laughs> I think I am going to go with Earl Campbell here. Mostly, honestly, at this point, mostly because we're going to see Johnny Unitas again with some better seasons. I mean, this was his, probably his worst MVP year. So, let's move Earl Campbell on. And let's see, let's determine who he's going to face here in our next matchup. Between 1994, Steve Young, and 1962, Jim Taylor. There was zero love for the fullback on social media. Everybody went with Steve Young. But what do you guys think? You're telling me there's a fullback with 5.4 yards of carry? That's and not named get, Jim Brown. Right. And he ain't getting no love. That's what I'm telling you. That I, that's not that's not okay to me. I <laughs> You can be his one vote because I'm not gonna That's vote. fine. I hundred percent. Gee, I wonder why Ben's voting against him. Uh yeah. Because Steve Young's really freaking good and Steve Young is really good. It's and worth mentioning too. Since we're yeah. Since we're talking about a fullback and whose first name is also Jim. If you voted for Jim Brown in, on uh, Facebook or Instagram last week and maybe you watched or you listened to the podcast later and noticed that we didn't say anything about Jim Brown winning, that it was a tie, that is my fault. Uh, for whatever reason, I mentioned it on the episode then as well. I got those polls up late and Jim Brown ended up winning on Instagram, which would have given him the win on social media and probably would have moved him on, but so is life. Jim Brown's got two other uh, MVP years that we will talk about. One we'll talk about next week. We'll get to that here momentarily. But uh, bringing it back to this, yeah, Steve Young, Super Bowl champs, 13-3 and three versus a uh, 1960 pre-merger Jim Taylor. I, I don't want to say that if you're a pre-merger MVP, you're going to get zero love, but it's going to be very, very tough 
for you to right. convince any of us that uh, that it's worth it. it. The game is just so different. Ever since the merger, passing has become more and more integral into the game. And uh, I agree. A 14,000-yard rushing season, 19 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. 1,400 yards. Not not 14,000 yards. That would have been really amazing. 1,400 yards. If you got 14,000 yards, this wouldn't be a contest. We wouldn't even have a bracket. So (laughs) We would. We just wouldn't have included him. True, true. Five fumbles legitimately, though, does kind of kill it for me. Um, that's that's rough. That's a fumble in over a 30-year games on average, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to move on C. Young for more than just not wanting to move on the Packers. Both of them had very good seasons. It's actually a little bit difficult to pick between them for me. So I'm glad I didn't have to do it. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. Another (laughs) Packers quarterback matchup here. This is 2014 Aaron Rodgers up against 1996 Brett Favre. And social media did go with Brett Favre. I think it's pretty easy. They went with Brett Favre because he won the Super Bowl and didn't have to use some excuse about not having weapons or not having this or not having that. Worth mentioning, Aaron Rodgers won our Instagram vote. He lost both Facebook and Twitter by enough that uh, Brett Favre ended up beating him overall on social media. Again, all the more reason to follow all of our social media and vote multiple places. Because statistically, the only thing Brett Favre has over Aaron Rodgers is that he won a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers lost in the NFC Championship game. So Also won one more regular season game, too. Fair, fair. Yeah, the three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio is is too much for me to go with him, especially when I'm looking at a five-to-one on the other side, 5.3-to-one, something like that. And a higher completion percentage. Again, give me the option of these two. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. Totally understanding that Brett Favre is moving on here, but my vote is going Aaron Rodgers. All right, Brett Favre takes it by the skin of his teeth. Honestly, that's uh, a that's a seven to one uh, percent or uh, comparison there. Yeah, no, you're right. Drunk. You're right. <laughs> a little bit over seven to one. Even more so to my point. Fuck him. That's why. <laughs> Anyway, uh, one last matchup here today. We have 2004 Peyton Manning. Honestly, probably his best season with the Colts. Going up against 1960 Norm Van Brocklin. And social media did go with Peyton Manning. I will say uh, 1960, the AP didn't even go with Norm Van Brocklin. The AP decided not to hand out an MVP award that year for whatever reason. So remember we talked about this last episode. Kind of went with a couple other publications, MVP. It was unanimous across a couple different places. They picked Norm Van Brocklin in 1960. But AP MVP just didn't exist that year for whatever reason. So kind of fudged the bracket. I'm not going to lie. But (laughs) Peyton Manning won this round anyway on social media. What do you guys think? I, I mean, everything speaks for itself. He couldn't even win the AP MVP. They just decided not to have one because reasons. I mean, I wouldn't hold that against him. And then beyond that, and that's fine. But beyond that, I understand it's 1960. We're not really throwing the ball a lot. Apparently, we're punting the ball, which is fantastic. Uh, But your 24 to 17 touchdowns to picks just 
That's depressing, you just, man. You just hate like, quarterbacks with multiple talents that isn't running, and it's disgusting. <laughs> um, no, I was gonna say not at all, not at all. I was gonna say though, to me again, the biggest <laughs> knock on Norm Van Brocklin is playing pre-merger. Props to him. Glad we're getting it. We're able to talk about him here, and he had a fantastic season. Great numbers for the time. Numbers that I mean, that's besides Honestly, the yardage. If he plays 17, 16, 17 games, he probably has three thousand, thirty-five hundred yards. Honestly, his punting numbers are still pretty solid. That too, even, even today. Oh, they absolutely are. So that's wild and something to consider that people probably didn't consider. <laughs> Dude, but think did. think about what you, what you could do in the NFL today if you're quarterbacks also your punter i would probably be fake punting like at a 50 percent rate or if you just <laughs> have Doug Flutie, who did not win an nfl mvp but may right. kick the ball pretty damn good for a quarterback oh um, last quarterback yeah. to or uh, last player to complete the drop kick too wasn't he no that would be tom brady i was about to say i think tom brady did oh, that's it. right um I, I will say too Showing a lot more love to Norm Van Brocklin, not really talking about Peyton Manning, because we're going to talk about Peyton Manning plenty in the coming rounds, and he absolutely deserves this win. But again, going back to a guy pre-merger, these numbers, I would love to see what he would have done in a modern NFL, honestly. It, it makes it very difficult. That definitely played against him. Um, again, glad we get to talk about these pre-merger guys, but they, they're not going to move on, realistically. If the MVP award had existed before 1957, I do believe that Norm Van Brocklin would have won at least two more. He was phenomenal in the 1950s. This was like a comeback, weird season for him. He played for the Eagles for three years, got them better each year until he won the championship and then left and a month later became the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So very weird times in the NFL. (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, it's great story. Love to see it. But yeah, Peyton Manning's definitely moving on. Uh, what a season for him. Unreal. 49 touchdowns, 10 picks. That almost rivals him in 2013. So <laughs> we might see that matchup. That'd be interesting. We very well might, but we have a ways to go before we would get there. And it definitely won't be next week because next week we have eight. Totally different matchups to be talking about. And I think we have some previews for them, do we? There we go. Very well may. Very that was well a very, very weird school. transition there on the old slideshow. I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> yeah, so we will have 07, Tom Brady, so close to completing that perfect season. And yet so far away Love up it. against the Cowboys' only ever MVP. That's right. The only MVP for the Dallas Cowboys in their history, Emmitt Smith. It is unreal to think about. I know. Absolutely unreal to think about. I had to double-check myself multiple times when making this bracket because I was like, there is no way that is true. And it definitely is. That's amazing. And he he doesn't even have that good of numbers, man. (laughs) This is ridiculous that this is the one and only. I'll talk more about this later. (laughs) 1990s were pretty stacked, man. Uh, next up, we have Adrian Peterson, 2012. 
actually the most recent non-quarterback MVP up against 1958 Jim Brown. That's right. Jim Brown won it in its inaugural 1957 and in the next year, 1958. He was the first MVP and also the first ever back-to-back MVP. Pretty fun stat. Good to see it. Next up, we have another iteration of Brett Favre, 1995. This was actually his first MVP up against Ken Stabler. This is his first and only MVP, 1974 for him. I mean, this was really when Brett Favre showed that he was more than just this punk kid from Southern Miss. So props to him, you know, even the Falcons and unfortunately landed in Green Bay. This was a very special season for Brett Favre. Ken Stabler's got a tough go here. At, at least Brett Favre is consistent with his touchdowns-interception ratio. Right. Well, there's a reason he threw the most touchdowns. He had the record for touchdowns in a career and interceptions in a career when he retired. So, the man was a gunslinger. Still has interceptions in a career. He still has the interceptions record. That's right. <laughs> so, already said, we're going to see Johnny Unitas again. Here's one of those instances. Johnny Unitas in 1964. Up against John Brody in 1970, oft-forgotten John Brody because everyone thinks about Montana and Steve Young. But John Brody was there before those guys, and, man, he was pretty good too. So he got an MVP in 1970, and, wow, interesting matchup. A lot closer in time period than what we've had recently with these old guys. Yeah, this is is actually going to be more fun for everybody. Because the numbers are comparable, the time period very similar. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a fair fight, finally, for these older dudes. More seasoned yeah. dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, a battle of the quarterbacks. Uh, 2020 Aaron Rodgers up against 1988 Boomer Esiason. Actually, the last time the Cincinnati Bagels made it to the Super Bowl before this past season. I love Boomer. He's such a great guy. Lefty. Gee, I wonder who Ben's voting for. That's just, <laughs> man, he has such a great team, too. It's it's awesome. They made it to the Super Bowl. It's sure awesome. did. Sure did. Oof, I that's felt a, the dig there. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> um, next up, we have Earl Morrill, uh, one of the guys I was talking about. At the 60s for the Baltimore Colts, man. What an era for quarterbacks up there. Up against 1991, Thurman Thomas. Man, that run of Bills teams was something else. If only they'd won at least one of those, they would be <laughs> for sure going down it. as one of the. They would go down as one of the best teams in NFL history if they had won at least one nice. of those, and they just couldn't do it. But man, Thurman Thomas still had an incredible regular season, and he's going up against Earl Morrill here. It is. It's insane to me the Bills couldn't get one. Uh, it's it's, it's amazing. Just <laughs> honestly, honestly, pretty amazing. Next up, 2008 Peyton Manning against 1975 Fran the Man. I think this is technically his second stint with the Vikings, right? He went Vikings, Giants, and back to the Vikings. So he lit it up coming back. We've already shown some love for Fran Tarkenton and. Everybody on social media has already shown plenty of love for Peyton Manning, so I'm interested to see how this one plays out. Absolutely, and surprisingly similar numbers there, too. Should be a fun one. The last matchup that we will have next week, though, is 
the last instance of Aaron Rodgers, 2011 Aaron Rodgers to be exact, up against 1997 Barry Sanders. Now, we already eliminated 1997 Brett Favre to get Barry Sanders to this point. Let's see if he can perform against another Green Bay quarterback next week. Look, the fact that a Lions player won the MVP, I mean, that's amazing. And he wasn't a quarterback. It's just, it's, it's insane. And it's a shame that the Lions couldn't be a better team uh, and extended Barry Sanders' career. He ended up leaving the NFL completely because he was stuck playing for the Lions. Thank God Matt Stafford got out of Detroit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, man, what a fun week next week is going to be. Make sure you go vote in all those polls, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We keep mentioning those places. That's where all the polls are. And, again, all those links basically at BDT Football on Twitter, Facebook.com slash BDT Football, and our Instagram is BDT underscore football. You can find us all those locations. Please do. Please vote. And if you're in chat when we're doing bracket time, speak up. Vote right now. We would totally accept that as a valid response. So feel free to make your voice heard any way that you can. And that's really yeah. all I got. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. Jake, I saw your comment on Facebook if you're still with us. A dub mix, dubstep remix of the Bracket Time jingle? I mean, what, is, what are we thinking here? I mean, we could – I might be able to make a phone call and make it happen. What are you, what are you I, thinking? I, I probably could make it happen. There's a dude in my uh, – in my unit that can can definitely dub over it oh man um i'm not gonna be any part of that if you want to do it go for it i already have your recording there's nothing else you need to do like i said i will i don't want to be a part of it so <laughs> hi baby welcome to the show thank you for yeah, participating he, he was he was asleep and quiet for most of it but he's kind of waking up now so he, i wish he, he would have helped us vote on bracket time well, well, Ben, I was going to say, well, Ben, you know what he needs? He needs What's a dad that? joke. He needs a dad joke, so then I can take us out of here. I think if I say this dad joke, he's probably going to cry more, so let's see if we can do it. Okay. <laughs> when you die, do you ever wonder what part of you dies last? I'm scared. So is he. It's oh, your pupils. No. They dilate. Nice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.